We're in James chapter 3. Did you know your speech is powerful? The most powerful tool you have is your speech, whether you speak it, whether you write it, or whether you sign it. Does anybody know sign language? Does anybody know any hand language, right? Oh, some of you know some hand, hand languages, you, you know, really well while driving. Oh, oh, yeah, no, no, no one does those kind of, no one does those kind of hand languages. We, know, we, we do this, yay, well done. done. And then we also do another one, which uses also one, one um, digit, but I'm not going to go there at all, right? And they're powerful. You know, words are powerful. What we do, did you know that, did you know that as human beings, we know about 20 to 30,000 words? You know a lot of words. In fact, just grab a dictionary and begin to highlight all the words in the dictionary that you know, and you'll be surprised at how many words you know. According to um, the book, um, The Female Brain, I didn't even realize you could write a book about the female brain. Yeah? How can you write that? That's incredible. It wasn't written by a man, okay? Because they'll get it wrong. We know if a man wrote that book, it's wrong. Okay, it's wrong. The, according to the book, The Female Brain, written by a woman, it says that women speak daily about 27,000 words a day. Right? 27,000 words uh, a day. Right? That's a, lo- that's a lot of words. Actually, I think I exaggerate. It's actually only 20,000 words. Men speak about 7,000 words. One third of women. Because that's all that's left. Okay. So they say, I don't actually, to be honest, myself personally, I don't believe that's the statistics. I actually believe that men and women speak about the same amount of words. That's what I really believe. I need some book tell me that. Anyway, but words are powerful. We've got to be careful with our words. Your words are powerful. We've got to be careful what we call each other. We've got to be careful what we call our kids, our grandkids, because words have the power to become. Words have the power to become, Right? Man, be careful what you declare. Be careful. Do you you want a queen or do you want an old bag? Be careful what you declare. Woman, be careful what you declare. Do you want the object of your desires or do you want some couch potato? Who wants the object of your desire, right? Some of you have have a packet of toffee pops when your husband walks in. Anyway, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're old enough to remember that ad, Carlos Spencer. Anyway, carry on, all those, yeah, the 90s, they were, they were awesome. Here we go. But words have the power to become. This is what James addresses in chapter 3. He addresses this, and, 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 he's, and he says, your words have the power to do four things. Whenever you speak, did you know that? Whenever you speak, four things will happen. It has the power to do four things. It's either got, it has the power to teach. It has the power to direct, it has the power to refresh, but it also has the power to destroy. Whenever you speak, this will happen. This is what your speech is going to do. It's going to teach, it's going to direct, it's going to destroy, and it will refresh. That's what's going to happen. So be careful. Be careful with your words. Your words has the power to become. Let's have a look at James chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Okay, I'm finished right now. Thank you. Okay. That's really encouraging. 
Thank you, James. Anybody else want to be a pastor? Words teach. Words teach. You know, teachers are the ones who potentially can do the most damage. They really can. You know, if you know me, if you've heard my story many times, um, my greatest fear growing up was public speaking. Speaking. Yeah. That's why it's my greatest fear, because of things like that. Public speaking. Okay, you might know it as public speaking, but I like to call it public speaking. Right? And the reason why I was afraid of public speaking is because I... I I, I used to always blame it on my, my, my I, I grew up, my grandmother and my mum, they were the ones who grew, who grew me up, <laughs> brought me up, right? And uh, that, they, were the, they were the main influence in my life. However, English was their second language, okay? So I learned my, my English from people who English was their second language. And so I had problems with my speech, I couldn't, I, and, I, and I stuttered really badly. And if I came, if I spoke in speeches like, when White Sunday, forget about White Sunday, I'm not getting on stage as a little kid to do any speeches or anything like that. And, and one of the, my, my biggest memories growing up was in primary school, when the teacher called me out out of all the kids sitting on the mat to stand up and begin to read my work that I produced is now hanging on the, on the wall. And I was terrified, I was petrified, I stood up. And I was stuttering so badly. I didn't even finish what I was saying until the teacher cut me off and began to ridicule me because I couldn't say what I wrote. He goes, oh, you can't even, what, you can't read what you wrote? And he starts to ridicule me. Uh, with an, and, and what the teacher said began to reinforce my fear of public speaking. Be careful, be careful, be careful of the words we say because that almost derailed my destiny. Because for the, from that moment on, I was afraid to speak right through high school, right through my teenage life. Public speaking was my greatest fear. It's only by the power of Jesus that I'm here today. Because of my words, I, I, find, I find difficult saying words in public. I mumble, I, I, I trip over my words, I, I say public speeching, uh, and things like that, right? <laughs> I laugh about it now, but I had to learn to laugh about it and say, hey, man, that's how God made me to, to do speeching like that. That's fine. Okay. But we've got to be careful. You know, teachers are the ones who potentially can do the most damage. And in the early church, this was an issue. Just read the New Testament. There was issues because there was a lot of unqualified teachers teaching uh, heresy within the early church. And this was a real problem. And James recognized this. And, and, that was, and he was addressing this, this need because we live in a day and age where everyone wants to give advice. Everyone wants to be an expert. Just look at Facebook. A lot of experts on, on there telling us about the coronavirus, telling us about vaccines, right? All these things and telling us what, why we shouldn't take it and all these. A lot of experts. But James, there's so many of us out there, and James, be careful. It looks really nice to stand up here and speak. It really does. But you know what? You know what? What does he say? He says this. For, for we, will, we who teach will be judged more strictly. Did you know when I prepare a message, it takes me days Someone asked me, how do you prepare a message? And I said, sometimes it takes me months just for one message. Like, I live a lifetime of study. I, I'm a full-time, like, I'm, I'm full, I full-time study. Like, that's my, my speech happening again. I full-time, I'm in the full-time mode of studying. There you go. There's the words. There you go. I'm getting out. It's getting there. It's getting there. And he goes, this, this guy's our pastor. You know, uh, right? And I've just got to study. And, 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 and it gets... I'm getting all these out, and every week I'm writing. It's like I'm writing a six thousand page essay, and every Sunday it gets marked. Every Sunday it gets marked, and then I ask, "Oh, do you ever get challenged?" I say, "Yes, I do. 
I do get challenged, and it's okay. It's okay, and I want you. If you disagree disagree with me, you don't have to uh, agree with me. Okay, and that's what, when you read the book of Acts, is be like the Bereans who search the Scriptures daily. What was said was true. Just because I say it, you know, I encourage you, go back into the Word of God. Look for yourselves, and I want you to do that. If you disagree, you don't have to always agree with me. Look for yourself. What does the Bible say? I encourage you to do that. I want you to be a Bible studier. I want you to be a Bible reader. Read the Word of God. I, I, I want to be honest. I, I, will, I will begin to um, give some exegesis of what's been said. And um, exegesis is a flash word of saying, I'm just going deeper. What, what did it mean to the original, original um, audience that heard these words? What did it mean there? Because that's what it means today. And, bring, and here's another big word, hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is now bringing that. And what does it mean for us today? Right, I want you to do that for yourselves. And I want, if you disagree, I, people disagree with me all the time. They come in, and most of the time it's just to bring clarification. And, and that's good. Let's be, what I've just said, because sometimes I can't clarify everything. So I want you to do that. And, that's, and if you're a teacher, you know, come on, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be judged more strictly. And that's what James says. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to be a teacher? Because you're going to be judged more strictly. Then goes to verse 2. Indeed, we all make mis- many mistakes. In my Bible, this is highlighted and circled. You need to circle that too in your Bible. Because you make many mistakes. I make many. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. See, the weight of teaching His Word is heavy. It's heavy. And the reason being, because if I'm careless with my words... If I'm careless with my words and I'm leading people in the wrong direction, that's weighty and heavy. I've got to be careful. You know, that's what James says. That's, just, that's what James says. We all make mistakes. And, and, you know, sometimes the words that I say, I wish I could I can pull it back out of the air and put it back in my mouth. You know, have you said things you wish you could take it back? We've got to be careful of our words. Once they go, well, we all make many mistakes. Be careful of our words because once they, once they are released, you can't take them back. You can't take them back. And it goes on in verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. See, our words direct. Our words teach and they direct. They direct. You can change the world with a couple of words. You can change someone's attitude by what you say to them. You can change someone's behavior. You can direct them in the way they should go. You know, um, I coached the under-15s Fraser rugby team. And um, this team, I'll tell you what, they're an amazing team. Amazing talent. And, you know, uh, this year we haven't won a game. And you're probably thinking, they probably need a new coach. But let me tell you about these boys. You know, um, half this team, this is their first time playing rugby. And they've come such a long way. They're incredible. Uh, and we've, we've lost so many tight games. To be honest, um, when you look at this team, they, can, they quite often get stereotyped. And you can see it. I can see it in the way that, that, that our team is often treated differently to other teams when we, when we play them. Because they, um, they come from the hood. And in uh, and, and yesterday's game, honestly... Uh, it's the first time where I actually got really upset with the referee that I actually walked onto the, onto the, the field and because I, I just had enough. 
of, of, of our boys. It's like every game we play, we play with 20. We might as well have 20 points against us before we even play. And I just had enough. And I said to the ref, referee, come on. These boys are here to play. Let them play. And um, I tell you what, we, we, lost, we lost that game. The boys, they were gutted, you know. One of them, one of them was even crying. He was in tears. And they, their heads were down. They were throwing their mouth guards on the ground. See, I always had the power to direct, and I pulled the team together. And I said to them, look, we can't control what other people think about us. We can't control the way we've been treated. But we can control how we feel right now and what we choose to do from this moment forward. I felt like I was in the middle of Braveheart, ready to go into battle. <laughs> but seriously, man, I'm sick to death. Seriously, I am. Sick to death. And I said, you guys were amazing. We should have won this game easy. I'm so proud of every single one. Every single, you need to lift up your, 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 your heads up high. See the other team? Let's congratulate them. They were awesome. The other team we played, they were amazing. Honestly, um, love their coaches. Love their, their coach, seriously, halfway through the game, the coach walked up to me and apologized to me because I'm so sorry for the way the referee is treating your team. We totally disagree for what the referee is doing. And he always apologizes to me. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. One of the other parents go, hey, this, is, don't worry, this happens every week. And the other parent got so angry, he says to me, we need to just pull the guys off the field. Let's go. We can't, I don't want to take up this rubbish. He goes, no, no, it's about playing the game. And you let me tell you something. <laughs> Sometimes it's easy to walk away, but we have to go through trials in order to grow. It's what we do, what we decide to do. And I, and I say to these boys, what we decide now, next week's our last game. So if you guys want to come along and support these guys playing at Fraser High School at 10 o'clock, these boys. But you know what? You know what surprised me? Is what they did straight after the game. And I want you to take a look at this. I'm playing this video. You know, they play this video. And I'm sharing with you because they've got it all over their social media. So I'm sure I'll share it with you guys. Have a look at this. Hopefully it comes out. After they shook their hands, they got together and began to give praises to God. We went up to their club rooms and the boys did a haka for the other team to show them respect that they deserved. They maybe never got respect. Not for, this, this team was awesome. This team was amazing. I, me, I, I just can't give praise. I'm going, okay, Cambridge High School. I'll, I'll give props to Cambridge High School. They were an amazing team. And um, they, they hosted us really well. But these boys respected them. And I love that. And see, your words, they direct they direct. Man, we, it's easy to say, you know what? The, uh, stuff the world. They're always doing this against us. Hey, we live in a world, and, and, and the world has fallen. We decide what, how we act. God has called you. Called you. It's, it's what we decide to do today. Your, our past does not determine our future. No matter what happens there, it's what we decide right now in the moment. Your words are powerful. They are powerful. They, were di they were direct. And three of those boys come to this church, right? They're, hopefully they're in the, over there, um, not getting up the mischief. 
That's awesome. Fantastic. Verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand, grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Its whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body, and it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by howl itself. Words destroy. Your words can destroy. And where does the Bible say that comes from? It comes from hell itself. It's flamed. It's fanned into flame by the gates of hell itself. Begs to ask the question, where do your words get its inspiration from? Do you draw it from above or from the gates of hell? According to James, that's where it comes from. What are we allowing, what are we allowing to inspire the way we talk? What are we allowing in our life? Because we choose what we say. We can't say the devil made me do it. He can fan the flame, but you still speak. See, a fire is amazing. If you light the fire in the right place, in a fireplace, for instance, it can be beautiful, especially on a cold, rainy day. In the middle of winter, you light the fire and it sets a beautiful atmosphere. But you light that same fire in the wrong place in the house, it's devastating. Your house will go in flames in minutes. Our words have the power to destroy. You've got to be careful with our words. Verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. We've got to be careful of our tongues because it can become poison. Just a few drops can kill. You can assassinate someone with your words. You can assassinate someone's character with the way you speak. The tongue is a deadly weapon. I know people who boast of how well they can tear someone down. If you can boast about that, guess what fans that? Where that comes from? Our words can destroy. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And this is James, he, this is James, he's frustrated. He's like, for real? He's not talking to the people out in the world. He's talking to people in the church. He's going, well, you come over here praising. You're praising Jesus? You're loving God? What's the song, what's the song we sung today? This, the first one in the second set. What's that called? Oh, how great. There you go. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great. And then we walk out in the parking lot and we tear someone down. Just because you don't like something about them. We haven't even left the church yet. We can tear down our husbands. We can tear down our wives. We can tear down our children. And we just come singing how great. How great is our God. And while at least I didn't curse God, yes, you did. Yes, you did curse God. Because what the Bible says, it says that you are made in the image of God. 
When you attack another person, you're attacking God. When you curse man, you curse God. You, you know, you can, you can come, you can say, Ants, man, you're amazing, Ants, you're awesome. You can, man, if, you, if you're crazy, you can begin, oh, Ants, I, I worship you. You can sit in chairs and sing songs to me. Come every Sunday and sing songs about me. But if you, if you, if you speak ill of one of my children, you've got an issue. I don't care how much you can sing out my praises. We've got an issue. Because you're going, why? Because you've got an issue with one of my children. Every person that you have the potential to hurt is loved by God and made in His image. When you attack another person, you are attacking God because they're made in the image of God. That's what James says. How can that be? How can we be praising God and to go out and tear someone down? That's not who, that's not who Christ sets you free for. Because words refresh. You were created to refresh people, to bring refreshing to people around you, to bring refreshing to the, your circle of influence, to bring refreshing to your marriage, refreshing to your children, refreshing to the kids you coach. Because let me tell you something, no one else in the world is going to do it. If you're a believer of Jesus, you've been called to refresh, to bring refreshing. Because your words have the power to teach, to direct, to refresh. It's easy to destroy. We, we know how easy that can be. He's calling you to refresh. My tongue reveals my character. My tongue, the way I speak, reveals the real me, who I am. Because your tongue can become a deadly weapon. Verse 11, does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevines produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from, from a salty spring. You know anybody who's salty? You ever been salty before? Come on, we've all been salty. I was salty yesterday. <laughs> and I asked, you know what? I went to the referee and I said, and I apologize. I said, look, I'm so sorry for my conduct. I apologize. Because you've got to understand, he's a referee. He's doing his best. He just doesn't have to, just, to tear people down. Anyway, let's keep it. Because the problem is the sauce. The sauce, not tomato sauce. Oyster sauce or mushroom sauce. Really nice and chopped soy. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And here's, and here's the source. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now the translation says is from the heart your mouth speaks. The point is, Whatever is in the, is the well will come out in the water. Whatever is in the tree will come out in the fruit. Fig trees can't produce olives. If olives are, are being produced, that thing's an olive tree. If you say you are a Christian, oh, what are you producing? 
It's talking about the nature of what it is. If cursing and slandering is coming out, then I have to look at the nature of who I am. What is coming out of you? Verse 13, if you're wise and understands God's way, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Early on, James said, not everyone should, should, should become teachers. Now he's saying, these are the people who should become teachers. A person who is wise and understand God's ways. Wisdom is not head knowledge, but it's applied knowledge. It's not just being a hearer of God's word, it's about being a doer of his word. Wisdom has to do with your behavior. It's about showing it through humility, not arrogance. I've seen too many arrogant leaders. It's through humility. There's a gentleness about it. How, is there a gentleness about your words? Is there a gentleness about who you are, about your nature? Quite often, a humble person is a wise person. Have you noticed that? James is saying, look, if you say you're wise, then I'll be able to see it in the way you act. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to see it in the, in the things you do and how you act with people around you. If you say you're wise, I'll be able to see it. It goes on in verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth of boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. There's a power behind it. What are we allowing in our life? For what it for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. It's no accident that James follows his teaching on the tongues with true and false wisdom. He explains there are two types of wisdom. There's a worldly wisdom and a wisdom that comes from above. And he said, you can tell. How can you tell? If the person's filled with jealousy, or selfish ambition. It's not about what you can gain or what you can get from something. It's about serving those around you. See, when you discover Jesus, you discover purpose, and your purpose always involves helping people. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is peace-loving, gentle at all times. Are you gentle at all times? And willing to yield to others. Are you willing to submit to others? See, I have to be willing to submit. When I'm wrong, I need to be willing to submit to it. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. See, wisdom is not about education. It's about action. It's about character. If you have wisdom from above, then there's going to be a holiness about you. That's how you can tell if someone's wise. Is there a holiness about you? Are you quick to start an argument? Or do you want the or, or are you one who's always want to bring peace that God wants amongst his people? Are you reasonable? Are you full of mercy? Or do you want to crush people whenever they rub you the wrong way? The, see, the idea is, is that the wise person sees the needs of others around them and acts. That's a wise person. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. James is saying, 
Look at the fruits of their life. Those are the people that should be teachers. Look at the fruit of their life. It shows no favoritism, regardless of who they are, whether they're rich, poor, white, brown, black, yellow, all the spectrum of colors, whatever it is, right? And always sincere, someone who is vulnerable, willing to admit their mistakes. That, oh, look, I'm not perfect, but I understand what you're going through. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. It's about speaking in a way that lights a candle, not about cursing in the darkness. What does it mean for us? It means that if you've got a problem with your tongue, it's much more serious than you think. Your heart is under attack. Your tongue shows the real you. It shows your character. It's either going to get its inspiration from above or from below. Your tongue shows the real you. See, cleaning the outside of the well doesn't make any difference when there's poison inside the well. Right? See, I can change the outside, external, I can turn over a new leaf, but if the poison is still in there, you know, when I was um, back in primary school again, another primary school story. I, my last year at primary school, you know, just a few years ago, I um, went to the doctors, you know, and I wasn't feeling well. And I was feeling terrible. The doctor said I had the flu. The next day I woke up, I had red spots all over my body. I said, well, that's the weirdest flu I've ever had. I had the measles. Literally covered my whole body. I was so weak, I never ate. I wasn't hungry. Even walking to the toilet was, it was a mission. It, 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 honestly, it, 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 was, it was one of the, um, the sickest I've ever been is when I had the measles. But you know, if I went to the doctors and they said, yeah, uh, Ant, you've got the measles. This is what you need to do to get better. You need to put plasters all over your dots. If you put, all the, if you put plasters all over your spot, spots, you'll be fine. You know, we'll, go, we'll be looking at the doctor. Yeah, where'd you get your, where'd you get your uh, education from? <laughs> Because the dots aren't the problem. What's the dots? The dots are the symptoms of the problem. Where's the real problem? It's on the inside. See, when we sin, when, by the way, by what we say, by what we do, by what we think, those are only the symptoms of what's really going on. You know, we can, we can maybe try to be good, try to do all these things, but, if the, but all we're doing is putting spiritual band-aids on our issues. Unless we deal with what's really going on, and that's our heart. Jesus says, out of the heart comes all these things. If you're here this morning, and you're like, man, that's, that's me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to do all these things, but I just keep saying things. In my workplace, in my work, I look no different to anyone else in my workplace. Well, the way I speak. That's me. I know exactly where you are. I still make that mistake. I made a mistake yesterday. I'm, I know exactly where it is. And if you're in that place, come on, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this daily, not just on a Sunday. Because sometimes, you know, we, we, we have an issue. We come and get someone to pray for us, right? Solve all our problems. 
That, that's cool. I love that. It's, it's, it's a ministry of laying of hands. That's important. But that is all we rely on. What we need is we need Jesus every day. What you need, you need Jesus every day. We need a changed heart. So this is what I want us to do. Does everyone in this room want you to close your eyes wherever you are? And you're standing right before Jesus. I want you to, just, I want you to see Jesus right now. He's looking at you. And you know what? This is not, this is, you do not see condemnation in his eyes. But you see love, who loves you just where you are. You see compassion, and his heart breaks for you. And this is what I want you to do. I want to imagine that in your hand, just, just reach out your hand. In your hand is, man, the things that you're challenged with. Maybe it's, maybe it's a speech. I don't know. It could be something else. It's in your, I want you to imagine it's in your hand, and I, and, I, and I want you to lay it at his feet. Jesus, I'm laying it at your feet. The way that I speak, the way that I, that I act, the way, the way that I am with my children, the way I am with my spouse, I'm laying it at your feet. The way I'm at my workplace, I'm laying it at your feet. I'm struggling. I want to lay this at your feet. Forgive me for my sins and set me free. And Jesus, I want to imagine Jesus just giving a big hug right now. He loves you. Right where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.